This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE podcast. Today is Thursday, December 2nd, 2021, and we are talking about last night's Dynamite where, yes, Cody Rhodes pinned Andrade on fire. We are going to get into that wild main event and uh, everything else that went on in this show right after this. Came to AEW to dominate. Jungle Boy Jeff Perry. Nobody is gonna take this away from me. This is mine once again. All right, everybody. I hope you've all had a great past couple of weeks. Actually, it's been a while since we've been back on here. I got back on here for like a week, and then life decided to just kick me in the butt once again. Uh, If you follow me on the Twitter, I won't bore you for too long. But, yeah, we had the dog. uh, I call him the dog. Our dog. uh, Who, you know, had to have some surgery. Had some cancer. uh, Hopefully is all gone. We'll see the results a little bit later. But he he looks like he's doing pretty well. And I want to thank you guys again for all the well wishes. Uh, And then after that, some more more animal stuff. We'll just leave it at that. Some more sad animal stuff. So... With all that being said, though, I'm back. I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be here in the sandbox with you guys again. My brakes are broken. I'm driving not my car. I got to go to a place I don't really like tonight. I got a whole bunch of stuff going on in real world stuff that ugh, I got to find a new job. All of this stuff. I don't I don't want to do. I don't want to look at any of that right now. I just want to be in the sandbox with you guys. And talk about last night's Dynamite. Uh, because there was a lot of fun stuff to talk about. But there was also a lot of... Uh, there wasn't a lot of meaning, I think, behind a lot of the stuff we were watching last night. And that might not be the right word, uh, meaning. There wasn't a lot of depth. We'll, put, we'll use that. There was not a lot of depth to a lot of what we watched last night. However, like I said, though, still definitely entertaining. And a bunch of, a bunch of stuff to get into. So we're going to start at the top of the card. But I do want to give a quick shout-out to none other than State of Crisis over here, filling in for me back to back to back to back, mostly on late notice. Like, can't thank him enough. It has been uh, so, so helpful to have somebody uh, on the show, of course, because turns out, guys, AEW Dynamite, there are a lot of people watching it now, you know? It definitely grown in the views Rampage as well. Rampage has not been doing that well in the ratings from what I've seen, but um, but you got a 10 o'clock slot at uh Friday night, so I, I guess that makes a little bit more sense. Anyways, we are not here to talk about ratings. I'm going down a wormhole that I don't want to go down right now. I want to talk about last night's Dynamite and the opening match, which was Brian Danielson versus Allen Five Angels. And uh, this was a quick little match. Obviously, we had Hangman Page on commentary 
to uh, to supposedly fill the spot of Jr. I was kind of hoping he was going to be on there for the whole show. I don't I don't know why I had that thought, but and we had that be a theme throughout the night. So uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, I'm sure too. I, I didn't. I like when Taz was there, but I thought uh, a lot of the other people didn't really. I mean, MJ, it it worked and it didn't work. Uh, this to me, Hangman Page came off as a as just like the same as he always comes off. Great, humble, nice guy, polite, right? Cowboy, you know what? Just came off very well until we get to the after match. But the match itself, I mean, it was quick, 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 and I like the story that was being told that Brian Danielson is um, obviously the better wrestler, the more experienced wrestler. However, when he got a little bit cocky and got too focused on just, like, kicking this guy's head in, Alan Angels almost got that. Like, I love that backslide uh, near fall. That was really good. I bit on that, and I'm sure a lot of other people did as well. And uh, and Alan Angels is super talented. A super talented guy. It's super cool that he graduated high school in that building, too, if you guys watch The Road 2. And I think they also mentioned it on Dynamite last night. But, uh, it was yeah, it was so really enjoyable to see more of Alan Angels. I actually enjoyed this match more than I enjoyed the last Kenny Omega match. I thought this match did not outstay its welcome, and it was just probably probably one of the best matches on the show, for sure. Um, again, that depends on what you're grading it on, but I think story being told, at least, yes, probably one of the best matches of the show. Just the actual match itself, because the aftermatch, right? Obviously, Brian Danielson getting the win... Uh, really hitting him with the knee, knocking him out, then kicking his head in for a while, and then giving him a knee bar. Really just a sick you-know-what. Uh, and obviously taunting Hangman Page and then getting the microphone. They start going back and forth. Well, really not back and forth because Hangman Page doesn't say anything. But as soon as he calls him a coward, uh, Hangman Page gets up, goes to the ramp. However, um... Then we get John Silver come out, and John Silver says, Hangman Page. Apparently, all of a sudden, these two guys are not allowed to touch each other. That was not mentioned until that moment, which I thought was kind of silly. Um, but Johnny, uh, John Silver goes into the ring, tries to fight Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson sneaks out of the ring, basically says that he's too good for it, has a quick face-to-face with Hangman Page, and then walks off. And um, the only thing that I'll say about this, guys, is like I, I this feels like the last couple weeks. Like, felt super unnecessary. Uh, I, I think you could have just kind of... This just is getting really repetitive. Like, if they're not going to put a new spin on it, then why am I... This is, like, Dynamite is two, a two-hour show. You've got a huge roster. you got a bunch of stories you could be telling. Don't waste time with just repeating the same stuff that happened last week. Um, I don't have a brain the size of a pea. I can handle it, so... So yeah, this after-the-match stuff was unnecessary for me, but the um, the match itself I thought was good. A lot of energy, just exactly kind of what an opening match needs to be. I will, I would not, you know, put this in the records of some of the best opening matches in Dynamite history, but it definitely was energetic. Definitely, Alan Angels is is great in uh, in these not not glorified squashes. They're more than that, but we all know who's coming out on the other end, the victor, and that is going to be a theme throughout this match, or excuse me, throughout this night. Uh, speaking of which, the next match on the card we had was CM Punk versus Lee Moriarty. And, um, Lee Moriarty got a really dull reaction in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was really upsetting, honestly. I I thought, I mean, towards the end of the match, they definitely got the crowd into it a little bit. But I, uh, 
I don't know. This crowd just didn't, and I, I never want to blame the crowd. Sometimes I, I want, I want to say like, you know, it's how well the story is being told, all that stuff. But you also just don't know. I don't know. It seemed like in the other times we saw Lee Moriarty, like the last time we saw him on Dynamite, he got a way better reaction than he did here. So I was just surprised. Uh, but I thought this match felt like it was 20 minutes long, and I don't think it even hit the 10-minute mark, uh, which is not a good sign because CM Punk's run so far has been good, so I'll definitely, like, you're not going to hit the mark every single time. Same with Brian Danielson today, I, I, like, I, in this on this show. I thought Brian Danielson's match with Allen Angels was good, but it wasn't, you know, incredible. Uh, I thought the match with Eva Luno was even better, actually. And, and this is just how I felt about CM Punk as well. I thought the match with Lee Moriarty was... It, it, the problem with it was it, it looked so scripted. And I think that's the issue we run into, like, where, like, when they had that little sequence back and forth with the pinfalls... You could see CM Punk, like, over-helping Lee, if that makes any sense. Like, he was already transitioning before Lee was already doing the next spot. It just looked so, like, it didn't look in rhythm. It looked scripted. It looked it looked like they were practicing a wrestling match rather than actually having a wrestling match. And it didn't have a fight feeling to it. Like, the first match had a fight feeling. These two guys were trying to fight to win. This more felt like they were performing. And uh, that's never what you want. So it took me out of the moment, absolutely. I will say the end of the match was really great as well. And MJF on commentary, also a great, great, great thing to have, no matter what. MJF really putting down CM Punk. And um, and I love these, this idea that MJF is like, uh, only will wrestle when he absolutely has to. And then he's like, you know what on some guy like Lee Moriarty, who's wrestling every other week on Dark. Uh, so I, I, yeah, this match was not for me. This was probably one of the, my least favorite matches of the night. In fact, like I said, it felt like a 20 minute match and I think it was only eight minutes, something like that. Uh, the finish though, I did enjoy and it definitely elevated the, the match as a whole, but, and really, you know, that's the most important part, right? You leave with the last, your lasting memory is usually the finish of the match. And so I thought this, like, that they got me on the near fall, and then the GTS was a great spot, and Lee Moriarty sold it beautifully. I really think this one was kind of on CM Punk, uh, which is okay. And like I said, you're not going to hit every single time. And if you have a match that isn't, you know, incredible, like, you move on, dust yourself off, and the next match is hopefully better. I, I hope they pick better opponents, like, than QT Marshall. Um... I thought last week's match when, uh, I know you guys didn't get my thoughts on that. I thought last week's match went way too long. It should have been a squash match. And it was, like, QT Marshall does not need to be getting that much offense in against CM Punk. I'm sorry. Lee Moriarty, I understand why they would do that. But it didn't look good. It looked like CM Punk was fighting out from underneath Lee Moriarty. And that's... That's just not the vibe you want, and I think the length of the match, even eight minutes or whatever, allowed allowed this to kind of get out of hand into in in those terms. So I did not enjoy this. Uh, I got really bored during this, and I never thought I'd be saying I'd be bored during a CM Punk match here in 2021. But I think that's just what comes along with being spoiled. So uh, after the match. We had a back and forth with MJF and CM Punk. Another back and forth. And guys, before we get into this one, last week's was, oh, so, like, chef's kiss. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Again, the Miz comment. There's something about the Miz that really gets CM Punk, if you guys haven't noticed that. I find that so funny. 
I think he's still upset about that main event at WrestleMania. There's something going on, but he does not like The Miz. And, um, and, and I'm like a Miz apologist, so I just, I, but I did, I really liked the comparison, and I really liked a lot of lines, um, from last week. This week, I didn't like it as much. I, I, I thought MJF was really aggressive on commentary already, and I thought, like, I thought the Britt Baker line was okay if, it's okay because it's MJF in a way, but it would have been more okay if this company didn't show, like, misogynistic patterns already as it is and book its women's division with as minimal amount of effort that it already does. If, like, Britt Baker and the entire women's division had a little bit more, like, oomph behind it and this entire company didn't show, like, a pattern of, like I said, misogynistic favoritism, all of that, uh, I think it would have landed a little bit better. This just kind of felt, like, grabby and, um, and like what the real core beliefs are in in the back uh and not to mention the really bad part about it was afterwards you had like this interview with Britt Baker and obviously pre-taped where she doesn't say anything about it like she doesn't even get a chance to have any kind of rebuttal about it so uh but it wasn't like the worst thing in the world and I just it felt grabby it felt grabby and it felt unnecessary uh, I think, again, I think it would have landed better if this company actually put effort into its women's division. Um, so, though we will talk about that later on, actually, and I really did enjoy the match that went down later on. So, so there is, there was, tonight was, tonight was a win for Dynamite's women's division in, in, in ring, at least. We'll put it that way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, MJF threatened to kill CM Punk's dog. Um... I felt like this whole little interaction at the end, too, kind of got awkward. Wardlow obviously coming out and intervening between the two of them. Similar to the Hangman Page, uh, Brian Danielson stuff, like, this didn't make me want this anymore. I almost feel like less is more in this feud, and I didn't need this back and forth at the end of it. I just, I just didn't. Um, I think you should have let last week just sit and settle and then, like, have a week in between. If they're going all the way to revolution with this, we got time. We got time. Uh, and so, I don't know. I, I assume maybe they're not going to go all the way to Revolution. Maybe it happens that Winter is coming, but they probably would have announced it by now. I don't know, guys. I just think... Um, I think you could have let this breathe a little bit longer. Uh, and you already had MJF on commentary, so I don't know why they needed to do any more than that. But, like I said, we had that little segment with Britt Baker and uh, Rebel, not Reba, and uh, Jamie Hayter backstage... And Tony Schiavone, obviously. Can't forget about Tony Schiavone. And I thought the, um, I am enjoying the cracks that are being formed between Jamie Hayter and Dr. Britt Baker. My question for you guys is, does Jamie Hayter turn on Britt Baker or does Britt Baker turn on, turn on Jamie Hayter? And, uh, you can, when I, when I tweet this out, you can reply to it in the tweet. You can send me a message. You can do whatever. I'd really curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that. You know, nobody takes a crossbody better than Jamie Hayter and, uh, and I'm ready to see her match against Thunder Rosa. I'm excited for that. I think that's going to be that has a lot of potential for sure. I know she's still green, but she's got she's got it, guys. Whatever it is, I think Jamie Hader has it. So I'm looking forward to that, and I think that'll be really exciting. Um, after this, and in between the Wardlow match, we had this really weird thing with Adam Cole, and I don't. Someone please explain this to me because I have yet to. No one seems to be able to make sense of it. All right, so Adam Cole comes out to go on commentary for what? For Wardlow's squash match? 
I I don't know. It did, didn't seem to make sense. And then Orange Cassidy comes and follows him out there. I don't know why. Thinking that the Young Bucks and nobody else would like... Like, really? Orange Cassidy is that stupid? He thinks, like, oh, he got one up on Adam Cole. Like, he's Adam Cole's not going to have some kind of backup. And then, essentially... They do a little cutesy back and forth stuff, but Orange Cassidy gets his head kicked in, like, and then and then they just leave. Then they just leave. Like Adam Cole is never on commentary. Like, what was that? This was the worst use of television time on AEW Dynamite in a long time. Everything doesn't need fifteen angles. This is a a problem I've been having with Dynamite lately, guys. And I don't know if any of you feel this way. Like, I think they could just book a match to book a match sometimes. Like, it doesn't need to always have some backstage inter like. Like, it doesn't always need to be this sports entertainment-y stuff backstage or whatever. Like, you can just have, like, Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy because it's Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy. And that's really cool. And maybe you don't give away that match. But you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't always need to be this thing. Like, you could have Lee Moriarty versus Adam Cole. Like, there's a match. Like, I don't know. Just without, like, all the fluff and angles and, oh, my God. It's, like, too much. They literally just did the backstage interview thing. But they did it on commentary or by the commentary table. For, for no, like, why was Adam Cole out there? And then why would Orange Cassidy be out there? It made no sense. So I want to wipe this from my memory and I'm going to do just that and move on to the Wardlow squash match because that was awesome. That was just, I don't even know what the guy's name was. I apologize. Wardlow just powerbombed the crap out of this guy, pinned him. You know, crouch chanting one more time, one more time. Wardlow obliges. This is like when Wardlow gets in the ring by himself. He's like a baby face, kind of. Again, he beats the crap out of people, so I don't know how much of a baby face that is, but, like, he, like, obliges with the crowd, and I love it. And then Sean Spears, the dime piece that Sean Spears is, Sean Spears is, just comes in after the match, just, like, whacking the guy with a steel chair for no reason. Like, what an absolute you-know-what. I, I, this was, this was one of, this was probably my favorite part of the show besides the match we're gonna talk about later on. This was so good. This, I just needed a little bit of, like, I don't mean to call it comedic relief because this poor guy's, like, back and body was just getting mauled by these two guys. But, um, I've been loving what Sean Spears is doing, really leaning into just being, like, a doofus, uh, for lack of a better word. And, uh, and I'm really enjoying the dynamic between Wardlow and Sean Spears. So, not much to complain about here, guys. I really, uh, this was, like I said, a highlight of the night for me, so. And, yep, as I'm looking it up now, it was four consecutive power bombs, and then Sean Spears just being Sean Spears wailing the poor guy with the chair. Um, the next match, though, guys, was uh, Darby Allen and Sting versus the Gun Club. And can we talk about how cool Sting and Darby Allen's face paint looked? Honestly, again, for a match versus the Gun Club, they showed up and showed out. And it really felt like the one time of the night the crowd really popped um, was for Sting, you know, obviously Atlanta and Sting, I'm young, but I'm, I'm old enough to know the significance of that, and, uh, and it was really, like, I, you kind of can't not get behind that kind of atmosphere, you know, um, when, when the crowd is so into something, it's like, that is why these AEW crowds have been so incredible, and if you get a chance, guys, like, even if you're getting whatever kind of seats, you know, like, get yourself to a Dynamite show, get yourself to a, I, really, they tape all of it at once, but, like, get yourself to an AEW show, whether it's a pay-per-view or Dynamite or whatever. They tape Rampage as well, Dark, Dark Elevation, all that stuff. Uh, because the atmosphere is just, 
Ashley, you know, has told me a bunch of times beforehand, Ashley Mann, the co-host on this show, or the uh, co-host who comes on the show a bunch, told me, uh, you know, plenty of times how amazing it was and how cool the vibe was and how fun it was. And I just, I kind of, you know, I, my only experience was some WWE shows. So I really didn't know what to compare it to. And, and honestly, guys, it is no comparison. Like, it is so much fun. Uh, so I really, really recommend that you guys go, go, if 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 a uh, AEW taping comes into your town, do your best to try to get yourself there because it's just a blast. It's just a really good time, and uh, and that's what these guys in Atlanta seem to be having. Obviously, during the Sting, Darby Allen, and Gun Club match, really, the the two highlights of this match were Sting being Sting, obviously, and hitting the Scorpion Deathlock and getting the pin, and and obviously the hot tag to Sting. But it was also Darby Allen, literally, guys, like, as if somebody just took a rocket, put him in it, and shot him out of it twice. He bounced off Billy Gunn. Bounced off him. It was so, like, literally no one should ever do a suicide dive ever again, ever again, in comparison to what Darby Allen does. He literally takes the name, I'm saying literally a lot, it's my, it's my inner white girl, guys. Bear with me. He literally <laughs> takes the name Suicide Dive to heart. That guy shoots himself out at people. No one should do a Tope Suicida, Suicide Dive. Any, no one should do a dive again after watching Darby Allen do it, man. It just, it is like nothing else. Um, Jamie Hader takes a crossbody equivalent, like is the equivalent to Darby Allen doing a Suicide Dive. The two just, it's it's an art form that, that nobody else seems to be able to do. And uh, the first one he did, too, he landed on his head. And my fiancé was like, oh, my God, is he okay? I was like, this guy must do some kinds of yoga and whatever just to, like, make his body limp. Because the way he lands sometimes, it just, it's, it, Darby Allen is such a dime a dozen. I mean, I can't think of another wrestler that just is able to do the stuff Darby Allen does. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Hardy gets a lot of comparisons, obviously, but, like, Jeff Hardy never had the um, the speed that Darby Allen does. Obviously, you know, their size being different. But still, Dar Darby Allen is just like a little... He's like Leo Rush and Jeff Hardy combined. I think that's the best comparison I can make. So, this was another fun match. But, I mean, let's, let's think about it, guys. One, two, three, four matches in a row. We all knew who was going to win each one of their, those matches. And, like, maybe one or two of those on a Dynamite card is okay. But for every single match... It got a little bit repetitive, and uh, and I don't think anybody thought the Gun Club was going to beat Sting and Darby Allen in Atlanta, Georgia. So, uh, next up we had the TBS Championship Tournament match and the quarterfinal match, and my favorite match of the night: Ruby Soho versus Chris Statlander. And uh, I don't think on a lot of other nights this probably would have been my favorite match. However, we need to put some goddamn respect. I don't know why I went a little bit southern there, but apparently I did. We need to put some damn respect on Chris Statlander's name because this woman came back from this injury and she is like a different human being. I don't know what the heck she did. I don't know what she, what tactic I would say I would like to know and then try them, but I wouldn't because I probably wouldn't do that because I still can't touch my toes. Uh, I'm not an athletic person, but whatever she did, enough about me and my toes, whatever she did worked because she came back and her matches have been better than ever obviously you know that comes with time but I mean 
I thought she was the breakout star in this match. I think she gave Ruby Soho, honestly, her first, like, outstanding match. And yes, guys, there was... We got to talk about it. It's it's the elephant in the room. It is the bright orange hair color elephant in the room. Ruby Soho did the NXT eyes, the WWE eyes. Really, it's the NXT eyes. Um, the Ruby Soho looked like uh, Ruby Soho looked like she just found out the sex of her baby. That, that's the amount of, sh- uh, probably more than that. I don't know, I can't think of it a better, like, she looked like she literally just watched somebody get it. She looked like Ru- uh, Chris Statlander was a real alien, and they just met for the first time. That was the amount of shock on her face, and it was so unnecessary. Don't get me wrong, that Poison Rana was incredible. Incredible. She looked awesome, like, really awesome, and a lot of this match was really awesome. I thought this was one of the most fluid women's matches I've seen in AEW history. Super fluid, and um, was it five stars? No, but to me, so I was entertained from start to finish, and I was blown away by the talent of these two women's. And it's really cool to watch someone's progression. And like I said, whatever the hell Chris Statlander did, she should share it and give it around because a lot of these women could probably use it. Um, but the shocked face was was not it. It it, it was not it. It definitely was unnecessary. And I thought this roll up was actually really good too. Notice. Chris Statlander struggled or appeared to struggle to get out of the roll-up. That's all it takes to make a roll-up look a lot better. Guys, all it takes to make a roll-up look a lot better. And some of, like, if you compare those roll-ups, that roll-up, to the roll-ups from the Lee Moriarty and CM Punk match, there's no comparison. So I really like this match. Again, the Poison Runner was awesome. The Blue Thunder Bomb looked awesome. Just the back and forth. It wasn't like there was just one heat segment. And I felt like most of this match, if not all of it, took place in the ring. Uh, which is such a lost art nowadays, too. I always feel like they got to go outside or go to the outside. Um, then again, don't take any of my observations that to heart that much, guys, because I, I literally just noticed Ruby Soho had tattoos on her neck. I don't know why that. I, I don't know why I just noticed that or why it was even important, but it just, I did. Um, so really, I think Chris Statlander's the MVP. I'm like strapped this woman up. Not really, not yet. It's not her time. But I think Chris Statlander's got an incredible career behind her. Behind her, God. Uh, Chris Statlander has an incredible career in front of her. And it's my job to know everybody's ages, guys. So Chris Statlander is 26 years old. This woman is three years older than me and has more talent in her pinky than I will have my, in my entire life. So really, she stood out to me in this match as the MVP. But obviously, Ruby Soho advances. There was a quick little beat down after the match, but I don't really care to get into it because it was unnecessary. I thought this was just really solid. And you know what? I've heard some people, like, not so high on it as much as I was. But you know what? F*** off. I was f***ing entertained as hell. Um, I was really entertained by this match, and that's all that really matters. So, uh, And speaking of which, and, and you know what? That's not all that really matters because I'm literally about to contradict myself. I was entertained by that match, and a good story was told. Again, the shocked face was too much, but I was entertained by that match, and... um. And they did a really good job of building it up as well. There was a story going into the match. The next match, though, was the main event, and it was Andrade versus Cody Rhodes in the Atlanta Street Fight. Clearly, the rules of the Atlanta Street Fight different from a Chicago Street Fight, a Philadelphia Street Fight. All you know, it's it was an Atlanta Street Fight. I don't need to explain what the different rules were. I know you all know it. We all we all we all got that. Um, however. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is the match that, I mean, there was fire, there was uh, steel step spots, there was a really awesome bump from Andrade with the um, steel chair, with the double knees and the face of Cody Rhodes, there was an awesome split like a moonsault on the steel chair onto Cody Rhodes, and then there was Cody Rhodes pulling out a steel, uh, excuse me, uh, um, a kendo stick, then putting it back, and then a sledgehammer. Oh, look at me, I'm Triple H, and putting it back. No, I'm not. Then pulling out a golden shovel, like, oh, look at me, I'm John Cena, or whatever the f- the metaphor was supposed to be, guys. I don't know. I don't care at this point. There was a. This was like a lot of just really dangerous, you know, intense, painful, terrible-looking spots that these guys did, and, and this match was good. Don't get me wrong. This match would have been really good if there was a story behind it, even, maybe. Um, it was an incredible spot where Andrade jumps over the ring post uh, onto Cody Rhodes on the outside. Uh, Andrade's assistant apparently has, like, a better body than half the AEW roster, so that was pretty interesting to find out. However, this was so Cody Rhodes. Like, Cody Rhodes is, just feels like... A- we all saw this stuff on the back of him, right? I, apparently, that was like flame retardant stuff or whatever. Um, to me, I, I literally just thought it was desperation oozing out of his skin because that's all this match felt like to me. It was just a grabby, desperate attempt because he's getting booed. Uh, and uh, I mean, what point did this feud between Andrade and Cody Rhodes become so like tense and and? crazy and and whatever like it, it, this what what is it this isn't even a feud what even on a malachi black and cody Rhodes would not warrant this the only match that i think that would warrant a feud like this is maybe the mjf cody Rhodes feud like i i, I can't think of any i'm th- thinking of cody Rhodes feuds by the way not just in general um considering we did have an exploding barbed wire death match but since when did, did they need like a, a flaming table back spot off the turnbuckle you guys know what i'm trying to say when did this feud get to that point did i miss something because apparently i did because cody rhodes apparently think things like this this was a good idea not to mention not just the table spot right guys but like these guys took a lot of really awful bumps for what though for what purpose yes i was like fairly entertained because it's violence and i watch wrestling so i clearly like some kind of violence but this is the stories company right aew claims to be the company that tells stories what where is the story and and you know Cody Rhodes yes he's got a lot of people talking about him and I'm sure he's really proud of himself I'm sure Brandy Rhodes is really happy too she's got a lot of people talking about her uh bear, kind of I don't know if that, she was involved in it uh but that's not the point of this it's like it's to me it's the equivalent of uh Michael Cole on commentary saying well you know when we chant John Cena sucks See, let's go Cena, John Cena sucks, or let's go Cena, Cena sucks. Michael Cole chants, well, they're making noise. Like, nobody is more polarizing than John Cena. Like, no, that's not the point. That is not the point of this. That doesn't tell a story. Cody Rhodes is not telling a story here. He's being grabby for pops because he's getting booed, and he really just looks desperate. So, again, I am really having a lot of trust that maybe this plays out into something better, but I can't see it doing that, and I don't know about any of you, uh... I don't know where this is supposed to be going. I, 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 maybe, I don't know if I just had like a, my throat just had a quick seizure there, guys, my bad. I don't know, um, I don't know where this is supposed to go, but, uh, 
I'm not enjoying it. I just, I'm like, yes, I am intrigued to see what reaction Cody gets in all these stadiums, but when is that going to end? Because it's just going to be boos. In his hometown, he got a quote-unquote mixed reaction, but really, there were a lot of boos. And I think the only reason there were cheers is because he put himself in a match where he can pull out kendo sticks and stuff and get the pops that he wanted. Just feels desperate to me, guys. It just felt desperate to me. However, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this match and the show as a whole, especially that women's match, too. I'd really like to hear your guys' thoughts on that because I really liked it. I thought it was a good match, and I've heard a lot of people say otherwise, so, you know, f*** them. No, I'm kidding. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, obviously. All of wrestling is subjective, and that's why I'm always curious to hear your guys' thoughts. So reply to the tweet when I tweet this out on the tweeter with your thoughts, or just message me, you know, I have an email, I think, that's like podcast at gmail.com. I think that's what it is. Um, yeah, shoot me an email there. Uh, tweet me, message me on Twitter, all that stuff. I love talking about all this stuff with you guys. And I want to hear your thoughts because I didn't think this was like this was like a fine show. But man, are they spinning their wheels the last couple weeks? It feels like some rampage as well. Maybe I'm thinking about last, not last rampage, but the rampage beforehand. Last week's rampage was really good, actually. And, you know, AEW does continue to manage to do that one thing, uh, uh, you know, a week that's, like, super noteworthy, you know, whether it was the MJF CM Punk stuff or this was the Flaming Table or whatever. But, like, this one I don't feel like was on the good side of things. I just felt like it was grabby and desperate and, like, AEW's getting to be a little bit too much with all this stuff. So, nonetheless, guys, that is all for me this week. I hope, uh, I hope you guys had a great week. I hope you guys enjoyed Dynamite at least more than me, if not the same amount as me, because I definitely, like I said, needed a little bit of a sandbox moment. And I know we're a little bit on the shorter side on this review, but again, like I said, life, guys, somehow I'm, I'm only working one job out of the two jobs I was working, but somehow life has gotten busier. So explain that to me. Um, but a lot going on. And again, I want to thank you all for your wonderful well wishes. Our dog has got one less toe, but he is rocking on, and, uh, and that's, again, probably thanks to you guys, your your prayers and well wishes, like I said. So thanks again, and like I said, I hope you all have a great week. Thank you to State of Crisis again for coming on the show. We'll have to have him on here, and we will do a show together for sure. And uh, and I will be back next week unless, like, I don't know, my phone and my car blow up or something. The next thing happens that could possibly happen, um, but I am... Looking forward to Dynamite next week. I'm looking forward to Rampage. Yes, I know they took Ray Phoenix away from me. Um, oh, last thing I wanted to mention, actually, before we close out here. Last thing. That Chris Jericho backstage segment. First of all, again, another beatdown segment backstage. Another beatdown segment backstage. I literally, it just, I just expect it at this point. I was blown away that they had Tony Nese cut a promo and nobody came in and attacked him. I know it wasn't an interview, but still. Another interview segment. Chris Jericho was, like, in England, I think. So, that that felt, like, that made me feel like I, my intelligence was treated with little respect there. So, I just want to throw that out there, guys. Again, we this is the company that I expect better from, so I'm going to call them out on their stuff. If you guys didn't know that, yeah, Chris Jericho was in England. So, it was clearly pre-taped, and he's made it publicly known that he was in England. So, I, I don't really understand what that was about. And another beatdown segment. And not to mention, uh, Chris Jericho's getting his little grubby paws on Eddie Kingston. I'm not even going to go into that right now. Because <sighs> I, I, I said a lot of negative stuff, I feel like, about Dynamite this week. And um, and you guys know I don't care about being too negative. Because, you know, f*** you, Logan Meyer, 23. But I... um. I do feel like I want to end this on a positive note. And the positive note is that I did enjoy 
Dynamite as a whole as an entertainment factor, but like I said, it really did lack depth. But there was a flaming table spot and a man pinned another pan, a, a man pinned another man while he was on fire. So I can sit here and talk to you guys about all the stuff underneath it, but on a service level, the show was fun. So I, I'm a happy to be here back with you guys and I'm looking forward to next week. With all that being said, I'm going to wrap this up, put a little bow on it, and I will talk to you guys next week. You can also subscribe on Patreon for a dollar a month or on iTunes for $2.99 a month. Get all these shows ad-free. Check it out if you have not already. It is where it's at. All right, I'll talk to you guys next time.